0: Good morning, everybody. When I look around the auditorium, there are people here I recognize I've known for many years and others I haven't particularly known for very long, if at all. So let me add my welcome to you. I'm one of the pastors here on the team. And let me also welcome folks watching online as well. May God open up his heart to you wherever you are watching from. So this week I was reading a snippet of a letter of a young woman, age 27, who, a year prior to that, had heard that she had a terminal diagnosis. And in that year, as things progressed, she started to write in a journal of the things that she was learning through that period of her life. And what she talked about in the letter which she was leaving to her family and her friends were things that perhaps we wouldn't be that surprised about. She was saying in there that she was learning, that actually, she was learning what really mattered in life. Who was it, the people, that she needed to spend time with? What should she be doing? What were the things that really mattered rather than the stuff that typically 26-year-olds may get up to? She left that letter not to condemn or make other people feel bad who would read it after she'd gone, but to actually say, make your life count, make it worthwhile. Don't just spend so much time on the internet that you miss the people you're with. Look at the sky, look at the people around you, and be thankful people. And she left that letter. And she actually said towards the end of that letter that it was in the last period that she realized that that last year had been actually one of the best of her life, which we may find staggering, but she had realized in living that way, her life had been changed for the better. And she wanted her family and friends to know that, where she passed to really encourage them, don't wait until you get such a diagnosis, but live it now. Also this week, I've continued to follow the writings of a pastor's wife in Kiev. Her name is Maya. Maya. And um, I've I've read her jottings. She puts them out there morning and evening. And through this wartime, I found it encouraging and um, just drawing to realize what is it like to be in a war zone as a Christian, and she talked about has talked about how for her and her church, right from the very beginning of the war, they would actually continue to meet in their rooms that they had in Kiev because they knew it was so important to worship, so important to gather together, to read scripture, to pray, to be there, to encourage each other. They have videos of them in that place. And this was something that they had found as a church was vital for them as a group of followers of Jesus, even in a war zone, even when the air raid sirens were going. Now, Kiev, as we will probably know, has had less missile attacks in the last period. And so what that church has done is they've utilized that spare time now to actually gather together lots of provisions, and they are giving them out they are stacking them up in boxes, putting them in cars and in lorries. And through the week, they travel into some fairly precarious places to take that food to the people who need it. On one level, they could have just said, "Fuel, there are less missiles here. But they are truly motivated because they love God to be people who care and share what they have. And so they get these provisions to go out. Now, the reason I mention this is that the people of the part of the Bible we're reading today is describing Jesus talking to the people about how do they become deeper, more mature followers of his. And it's quite likely that the passage that we're looking at here in Luke is replicated in Matthew as well. And it seems that Jesus probably spoke some of the same things, the same topics at different times over his three-year ministry. We read it on what's called the Sermon on the Mount when he was up a hill. And we read it here and it's called about the Sermon on the Plain. There were a group of disciples, people who were interested to know what Jesus had to say. It tells us in the verses just before the ones we're going to read in a moment that some people came because they were desperate to be healed. They knew that this man had shown he had power and authority that they had never seen in anybody else. Now, if you've been a part of this congregation over the weeks, you'll know that just before Easter, Jude Mould spoke to us from a passage just before the one we're going to, where it was talking about Jesus telling these people, You need to be people who are willing to love your enemies. She unpacked it beautifully. May I suggest if you haven't listened to that sermon, you do so. She talked about the fact that Jesus was calling these people to a lifestyle that was extraordinary. They were to be people who showed kindness to those who were their enemies, to those people who would be aiming to hurt them. This wasn't an easy lifestyle that Jesus was suggesting. He told them that they needed not to judge other people because their ability to judge would be distorted by their own failings. He describes them as blind people, people who are likely to be hypocrites if they don't sort themselves out before they try to look at another person. But he isn't. Jesus wasn't at that time saying all this to try to make people feel bad for the sake of it any more than that 27-year-old wrote that letter. Jesus is trying to help the people to realize that the life that he has to offer them is an extraordinary, revolutionary, upside-down life in compared with the society around them. He wants them to be people who bear good fruit. Those who have a healthy heart, he goes on to talk about. And he talks about the strong foundations that they need to build to live out this revolutionary type of life. What he says to those folks then is just as applicable to us today when we live here in Buckinghamshire. So what does the Bible record Jesus saying We're reading from Luke 6, verses 43 to 49. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from the thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produced good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So why do you keep calling me, Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep, lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well-built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground, without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Possibly verses you may, if you've been a follower of Jesus for many years, will be very familiar with. Jesus is teaching these people sitting around him, and he takes what is familiar to them, as he often does, and he takes it and brings a new perspective on it. The first part that he talks about is how can they be good fruit-producing people? Now, they all know about fruits and fig trees and grapes and vines. This is stuff that is familiar familiar to them in their part of the world. And what they may know, which I didn't until I started to do my research, is that fig trees in that period were known as trees of peace and prosperity and fertility. So even as he uses that image of, of course, a fig can't come, from a bramble, it's because even further than our understanding, well, of course you can't, it actually says more. You can't be a peace-bearing, prosperity-seeking, fertile people unless you come from the right root. And the only useful purpose of a bramble for those listening was that it would become firewood. Now, Jesus' teaching really isn't complicated here. If they or we want to be people who are good fruit-bearing people, we need to be linked into the right source. We need to be linked to the right plant, to have the roots of our lives embedded in good soil. These are metaphors, of course. In another part of the scripture, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 15, we read Jesus talks even more about this with people. And this is what he says. I am the real vine and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes and every branch that he's grape-bearing he prunes back so that it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. So how do we become fruit-bearing people? We need to make sure we are linked to the right vine. Now, all the people in this room have been on this journey. If we've been on a journey with Jesus for a period, or if you have not, You may be at different points of licking your life into that vine. But a starting point, I believe, is to actually look at what did Jesus do in the three years that he is recorded through the scriptures? Who did he spend his time with? What did he talk about? How much did he spend time in prayer? What did he pray for? What did he ask his followers to do? If we want to be people linked to this vine, Jesus, we need to be willing to live lives that replicate his. And the easiest way to see what that's like is to read through the scriptures and see what did he do? And then look at our lives and see what do I do? Where do I need to potentially change some of the things that I have been doing to live more like him? So what is this fruit that Jesus talks about? For that, we can look at a letter that one of the leaders of the time, Paul, wrote to people in, a, in an area called Galatia. And he talks about what these fruits are. He says the fruit of being connected to Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity... Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When I wrote those out, I literally stopped at my desk and I thought, ooh, how much am I bearing these fruits? Now, I'm not asking you to give an answer to that, because as much as I might like you, you all, the one that I need to make that judgment on me is my Heavenly Father. He knows where I struggle and maybe where I need to get more linked in and where you need to get more linked in to become people who look like these words that are on the screen behind me. People who are loving, joyful, peacemaking, patient, kind, generous, Faithful people, gentle, self-controlled. Jesus knew the group of people sitting with him on that plane. He knew full well the pressures that their lives were under. And he knows what struggles and pressures we have here in this century. And I believe we, as Jesus's following people, or people who want to follow Jesus, will need to keep pushing back on the values that our society or our non-believing friends might try to push on us. My question to myself and to all of us and those watching online is, am I spending enough time overtly linked in to the one through whom the source of these things can happen? Do I prioritize that time above all the other pressures that are around me? He knows us. He's not condemning us, but he's drawing us to go deeper with our linking into him as the vine. He goes on to talk about the way in which we speak. He says that what comes out of our mouths is representative of what our hearts are like. And I'm not sure you can see due to the scale of that, But a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. And there's a link to a proverb. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. that's from Proverbs 31. Again, I look at that and think, is that how I am? Again, Jesus, is that how I am? Is my heart healthy? Is my speech, therefore, good and kind and generous in the way I am? Now, we might think of a more modern-day proverb that says actions speak louder than words. I think we could potentially bring these things together because we know sometimes people can say all sorts of things, even nice things, and their heart may not be all good. But Jesus sees our hearts and he knows what is really going on. But he doesn't want us to stop and feel that the malformedness of our heart. He wants us to keep growing. Now, hopefully, you will all know people who you know when you're with them. The way they speak is just good to be around. They, they speak in a way that is positive to others. They're not aggressive, and they don't use bad words. And you just feel like they are a good person to be with. But, of course, I imagine we also know people on the opposite scale. We will have heard others and, at times, ourselves speak in ways that we look back on and are not pleased with, where we've been unkind or aggressive, accusatory, ugly in some way. But generally, what that person is saying is much more, as Jesus says, to do with what's going on inside that person who speaks rather than to the person that they're speaking to or the situation. I'm sure I'm not alone. We can all say, well, I'm just human. But we're humans with the power of God in us. And so we shouldn't use it as an excuse. We just need to confess where we know that we have spoken words wrongly. And we need to confess to God, and we need to say sorry, to the people that we may have hurt through our words. We do have a choice about it when people may speak to us as well through those things, about things that are not kind, not good, not grace-filled. It's so easy. When we've been hurt, one of the things that we do is when we're hurt, we hurt back. And Jesus is calling us to a different standard of living that says, be peacemaking, be kind, be patient, people. He is saying to those people gathered all around him, they need to be people who are strongly aware that it is possible to be so aware of the love that we sang about earlier. I love that hymn, how great the Father's love for us. How vast, beyond all measure, that we can be people who know that, so that it puts the cap on, speaking badly about other people. We, if we are to be people who can love our enemies, our key connected relationship must be through the vine, which is Jesus. Sometimes I think this bites, it'll be a little idea before we speak, think. Is it true what we're about to say? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? If not, don't say it, text it, or post it. How many of us can see on social media the stuff, the accusations that get thrown out to people who don't even know each other? It's like people are sitting there with this just bag of anger that they want to chuck out. And they can so easily do it when there are people at a distance that you're not going to eyeball. You just say stuff that hurts. Well, we need to be people, whether on social media or face-to-face, who do life differently, that we speak, we text, we post differently. So moving on to the third part of what Jesus talked about. The journey of becoming new uh, disciples depends on having a strong foundation. The rock of choosing to live as Jesus taught and lived, rather than the sand of living an easier life, that in many ways I believe our society challenges us to do. When Jesus was talking to these people, in many ways, he was actually being funny. Now, we get so used to reading this that we don't recognize, actually, he's being comical to these people. They knew full well, you do not build a house on sand, because when anything, any element of the weather comes, it wouldn't stay strong for long. But they needed to build on strong Foundations. So the metaphor that he's using about storms of life, the challenges, the problems, the painful times that will come, the illness, the debt, whatever is on your mind for that 27 year old, the diagnoses, or for the people in Ukraine for a war, were they ready because they were building on strong foundations? We need to be people who consistently. Get to know God deeper, more. Take time, because however long we have lived on this planet, the storms will keep coming. The curved balls of difficulty will keep coming. And so the challenge for us as his followers is, how much are we growing in our walk with him? This is a monastery, the Katski Monastery in Georgia, it's 130 feet high, and a monk still lives in there, apparently. The building of it took a long time. Every brick, every window, every maybe bath or toilet or something would have to have been taken up that rock face to get to make that building. A bit extreme, perhaps, we might think, but it's not the image, the fact is, up on the top of that hill, that monk is worshipping. I love that image. Jesus was encouraging those people and us, you need to take the time it takes to be a strong walker with him. This doesn't come easier. easy. Following Jesus means we need to make plans. A plan of action to stay connected to him. What's your plan? How do you stay connected to him? It's not me condemning at all you. We all, well, we're gathered here on a Sunday. Maybe people are watching online on a Sunday. But what do you do through the week to stay connected, to realize that it's so important to stay connected? Jesus challenges these people. We don't like challenge. He says to them, why do you call me? Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say. I will show you what he is like, he who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. It's a reality. Jesus calls us to listen, listen to what scriptures are teaching and teaching this morning, and then we need to be people of action. Action for our own lives, action for the community in which we are living in, action for this world, we need to be people who recognize we have a responsibility. This is not just about our lives individually. Like I said, those Ukrainian folks could have just been sitting in Kyiv much happier now because they didn't have the missiles landing on them, but they were motivated. They are motivated. The Greek word that Jesus uses for hearing is much more than just hearing. You're hearing me now. But it's hearing with an understanding, with a comprehension that says, do this, don't just sit and be a listener. It is challenging what Jesus is saying to them. All those sitting out on the plane with Jesus had come to him because they knew he was different to the other teachers that they'd ever heard. He had shown them that he had power. He had power to heal, to drive out demons. This was a man unlike any other. He is God in human form. He is worth listening to. But this teaching is revolutionary. It is not just have your normal life and add something onto it, just come to church and live a bit differently, be nicer. This is about having our hearts changed, by the power of the Spirit working in us. We can't live like this if he is not enabling us to do it. And so we need to be people who stick to him, who walk with him in ordinary things, whether you're going into an office meeting or Tesco's or picking your children up, wherever you are, he's interested. He wants you to be that fruitful people to those that you meet. We read in the Scriptures in Luke 13, that Jesus knew that there would be people who would say, this is too hard, this is too difficult to do. And today you might be sitting here or watching online and thinking, too much, too much giving up of my own way, too much not having it my own easy life. But there are other people sitting there on that plane who are literally captivated Totally listening. You know when you see people who are absolutely listening and they just want to take on everything that they're hearing and do something about it. We need to be people who are captivated. The more we read the scriptures, the more we speak about Jesus to other people, the more that we actually do some sort of study with others, the more we go, wow, this is good. I was this week spending time with a new believer, doing a Bible study, and afterwards I said, I've really enjoyed this. And she was like, but you know all of this. I was going, yeah, but it's still amazing. It still just makes me go, wow, this is exciting. This This is a life unlike any other. Jesus challenges people. Whoever wants to be his disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow him. That's tough. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit helping us. Our society in which we live is saying something very different. It's saying, enjoy your life. Enjoy everything you do. If you have money, spend it on yourself or maybe your friends and family, yes. But primarily, it's about one's own smaller cohort. So to choose to follow Jesus is to act differently. The more we understand and are captivated, the more we just want to do these things. Building a mature foundation of faith is a lifelong journey until the day Jesus takes you home. But he's got plans and purposes for you every day. He doesn't want us to just settle on the plane. He wants us to keep going, keep walking more closely with him. So how is Jesus wanting you to change in any way. We have got, as a church, a website full of ideas about what steps we take, how do we go deeper with Jesus, the short-term, well, not short-term, the first step, then the ongoing steps, and then the big leaps. There are these pamphlets out there in the corridor, but it's also on the website. We also have other ways. of three ways to share the good news. If you've not actually thought about, how do I tell the story of what we're talking about? Then maybe you need to pick that up. How do you step up your prayer life? How do you bring accountability? How do you build holy habits? These are all out there in the foyer, in the corridor, and they're all online. Those are just some ways to be prompted. But my bottom line question to each of us today is, what's Jesus saying to you? What is it about your heart? your speech, your fruit-making that he wants to deal with, not because he's accusatory, but because he loves you too much to leave you where you are. He wants you to be more captivated by knowing how amazing he is. Let me pray for us. I thank you, Jesus, that you spoke to those people all those years ago, in a way that was actually very simple, very understandable. Each person in this room watching online, what are you saying to them? May they hear you, and may they be people of action. Whatever it is that stops us doing that, show us the pathway through it. Help us to be so captivated, Jesus, by you, by your ways, that we are willing to take up our cross, willing to walk a narrow road, willing to stand against our society, and to enjoy a life of deep richness with you, both now and eternally. Holy Spirit, come and fill each of us now. We can't do this without you. Fall afresh, I pray. Make us determined followers of yours. Amen.